that the most amazing things turn people on. You might fantasize about doing the whole football team, but would never do that. I think a lot of folks think you find your buddy and then you ride off into the sunset and fuck happily ever after. That's right. You're on Let's Talk About Sex, our resident uh, sexual health, wellness, pleasure segment here in FBI. I'm joined by uh, my usual accomplice, uh, Tanya Coons. Morning, Maya. Morning. Morning. And today we are talking about infidelity. What a topic, Tanya. What a topic. We could talk about this for months, I reckon. Oh, yeah. There's definitely... um. So much to cover with infidelity, but I think maybe it's worth kicking off with the many different kinds and types of infidelity. Should we roll through some of those? Yeah, I like this. And thanks um, to our producer, Amber, for researching this and finding out all the different types and asking us questions about it. Um, What have we got? Number one, sexual infidelity. I think that's the one that most people understand. And this is the this seems to be the one that's equated to physical cheating. So getting naked with or getting sexual in some way with a person other than your partner or partners. Yeah. Mm. And then there's an emotional inf- emotional affair. Um, I think that parlance came into terms in the 90s. Um, an emotional affair is forming like a close bond or a friendship with somebody other than your partner and sharing intimate thoughts and conversations. So they, they don't need to be, but they can be sexual in nature. But you're kind of sharing things that you tend to reserve for your lover or your partner or for extremely close friends. Mm. And, you know, when people say, how do I know if I'm having an emotional affair? I say the litmus test for this one is would my partner be okay reading or listening to this conversation? If you feel it would make them feel uncomfortable in any way, you might be straying into the territory of an emotional affair. Mm. And and I do want to qualify this as I don't think we have to tell everything to our partners or our lovers. They don't have a right to know everything that we're doing. But if you are having an intimate relationship with somebody else, it can take the intimacy out of the relationship that you have with your partner or partners in uh, because people tend to check out a little bit of their romantic partnership Mm. when they're doing something so intense on the side. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And then there's another one that I ever found, a romantic infidelity. This seems like a combination of the two things above. You know, it's a romantic affair. Um, Romantic affairs can also be called affairs of the heart and they might refer to like a sexual liaison or a more emotional relationship between two people who who may have sex without expecting a more formal romantic relationship. Mm. But I think an affair by its nature is romantic. Um, And romance, because romance is defined as a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. I like that. (laughs) Maybe it's just lust as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Yeah. yeah. I think there are different maybe urges of people's whether that's like you know that emotional intimacy or a physical one that perhaps push people to pursue these different types of infidelities absolutely and then we've got i think today it's super common there's a cyber online infidelity so that's kind of like as above but online and you know 
I think today that lots of people have anonymous online friends that nobody else in their world knows about. Yeah. They might have met them playing Scrabble on Facebook. They might have met them on a dating site. Who knows? Um, and I, I really would like some research to come out about this soon because I find it very fascinating. Mm. But I think the anonymity of the internet makes it possible to be intimate for, with people online because you're not in their space and it feels like they're far enough away. So a lot of people might share sexual fantasies or sexy talk or sometimes simply confide elements of their life to their online interests. Mm. Right? So I think most people have an online buddy. What kind of buddy it is, uh, that can vary. But, again, the test is would my partner like to be reading some of these conversations? Would that be cool? Yeah. And then there's um, infidelity in open relationships or poly relationships, yeah? I think it's really good to include this because so many people think, ah, you can't be unfaithful if we're doing um, open relationship. But remember the term for this, ethical non-monogamy, mm. right? The ethical part comes into play here because this is when behaviour or connections happen that are outside what has been agreed on by the folk in the relation in the open relationship. So that could be keeping secrets or obfuscation of events. It could be seeing people that have not been agreed to or doing things that weren't agreed upon. Some folks like to keep some sexual practices or romantic activities exclusive to their relationship. Some folks like to say, you know what, I think you've got you know, a couple of lovers here. That's enough. Don't add anyone more into the mix. Um, and people get a bit funny. Or sometimes people don't like to tell their partners that they're, they're dating or meeting someone new. They'd rather announce it when it's happening. So it really depends on how people are negotiating what they want. Um, I always say that it's better to forward announce and back announce because folks don't like surprises. Yes. Right? Yeah. So if this is in your agreement, great. If it's outside of your agreement, how about you check in with your partner mm. and say, so this has come up. What do you think about this? Rather than, going ahead because I know a lot of people uh, in these situations have had a lot of clients over the years they would rather ask for forgiveness than permission because they're afraid that they're going to miss out on an experience right but um, often the ramifications of that it's like throwing a you know throwing a hand grenade into the mix yeah you might yeah. live in the process so do you really want to do that mm, no definitely a flawed logic <laughs> <laughs> We've gone through all the different types of infidelities and I'm very interested to chat with you, Tanya, now about some of the, I guess, like stats behind infidelity. I'm wondering, though, is what's considered infidelity different in different relationships? Like, does everybody have their own sort of perception of what an infidelity to them might be? Absolutely, Maya. I mean, I think it's relation all relationships are different, aren't they? We're all not having exactly the same relationship. So it's going to be the same with what people feel is um is not okay for them, mm. right? So a lot of people are okay with their partners flirting at work, having a work wife or a work husband, um, or having the occasional party pash, right? <laughs> A lot of lot of people are. A lot of people have a, a sexual sanity clause. You know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Don't want to know. Okay, keeps things fresh. Lots. You'd be surprised how many people have that. Mm. Um, but I, I also have a personal theory, and I think that's because I've been around the sun for quite a few orbits now. Um, <laughs> when people are younger, uh, infidelity is often an absolute deal breaker. But when folks are older, they may be more inclined to try and work through it. 
Um, and I think that's as we get older, relationships get longer term. Mm. It's easier to see the reasons behind the infidelity, even though it might be painful. Um, and there's also a lot more at stake in terms of working together to save lives, set up together, family, that sort of stuff. It might be more effort to repair. Um, I know it's not the same for everybody, so it's not a sweeping statement there, but I noticed this. But, yeah, what doesn't work for you might work for somebody else. So it's really up to you to sort that out and chat about it with your partner. And we're going to get to that. Yeah. I mean, I can totally see and understand maybe how some people might respond to an infidelity in that way. But I'm really curious, how common is infidelity? Ah, yes. Now, this has got lots of variant figures. And I think it's interesting because most... Most figures about cheating, as uh, the research likes to call it, uh, they're very um, heteronormative, so I apologise for that. Um, and they also, they're self-reports, right? Mm. So the last Australian figures I read were that 60% of men and 45% of women had reported cheating in a long-term relationship and that 70% of marriages were affected by infidelity. That is a lot, right? Mm. Uh, and global figures were higher, 70% of men and 60% of women cheat. Crazy. So, yeah. And what I find is interesting, it used to be that 10% of Australian men and 4% of Australian women, and this is old research again, would consider an open relationship. So I was just pootling around before looking for how many people are into ethical non-monogamy these days. And there was a research study done in the States in 2017 that suggested one in five single people is involved in some sort of ethical non-monogamy. So that's a really big increase. And why I point this out is more people tend to want to have affairs than to do open relationships. It seems like it's easier not to talk about it, mm. but just go do it, than it is to negotiate and create safety. And so I sort of think it's really adult relating when you want to do things ethically and you've got to talk about your feelings. You've got to talk about the relationship. A lot of folks simply can't do that. Mm. Or they give themselves permission to do something they know their partner wouldn't like and they just trot off and do it. Well, that so. brings me to my next question. You <laughs> suggest that it is actually really good to discuss what you consider cheating before you enter a relationship. Is that right? Yeah. I think so many people start dating and then they assume their partner's not seeing anybody else as well. And I caution folks mm. about this and say, you know what, until you've had a talk mm. that you two have agreed that you're only seeing each other and you're exclusive, it's very wise not to make assumptions. Yeah. And I've seen quite a few clients who've progressed their way into an exclusive relationship, but one has been dismayed to discover afterwards that their partner was dating other people for the first six to 12 months of their relationship. And so they come in and they're talking to me about infidelity and trust and how can I possibly trust them now we're going ahead. So if you want to be certain, ask the questions, right? It's a good time to have the conversation about cheating and what that looks like when you're negotiating being exclusive. Mm. So shock, it's let's talk about sex <laughs> and it is all about the big C, communication. Um, but I wonder, Tanya, do you reckon those boundaries, say you've like had that conversation and you've set up what you agree to be, you know, crossing the line in that sense, but can those boundaries over time, and I guess maybe through the length of a relationship, whether it is uh, open or closed in that sense, change over time? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they can. I think 
so many people change their relationships over time to suit their needs and their situation. You know, when you get together, you've got limerence going, it's really easy to be hot and heavy, lots of spontaneous desire, lots of sexual adventure and experimentation. And as we get into long-term relationships, sometimes things get routine, we get involved, there might be domestics, there might be kids, there might be mortgages and jobs, lots of things. Um, so people, and also people can find out that, wow, you know, my partner, I thought it was really exciting that they were super kinky when we first met. And then after a couple of years, they're like, I don't want to be kinky every single time we have sex. I want to do some great vanilla or try some tantra or whatever it might be. Mm. So people might outsource differences. You know, it might be like, you know what, I'm okay for you to go and get a spanking buddy and go get a spanking once a week. Do that so I don't have to do it, right? Mm. People can negotiate a lot of things. I think it depends on your relationship because things change as we get older or by the relationship we're in. Some relationships might be like, no, I don't want you to do anything. I want to be all yours. Um, the next relationship might be like, you know what, it would really turn me on to watch you bashing someone at a party. Let's do it. Right? <laughs> so I think people can negotiate whatever they want. Right, but as long as it's open, don't go do something and then come back and say, "Well, I did a thing." Yeah, that really constitutes infidelity. If the if the other person can't give consent, it's generally not okay. So seek consent, and you'd be surprised what people can be up for. Um, I'm here with Tanya Coons. We're talking about infidelity today on Let's Talk About Sex, and we've run through the different types of infidelities, be them on or offline, emotional, romantic. Uh, sexual as well and now we're going to chat a little bit about ways to avoid or to negotiate and have that communication I guess with your partner if you want to clear up those boundaries or maybe enhance them so Tanya say someone agreed with their partner that there was a certain act that was okay within their relationship they gave consent to say like kissing someone um, but they have since changed their mind and they're no longer comfortable, what would you recommend they do in that instance? Okay, um, say something. <laughs> Don't sit on it. You've got to remember that it's okay to change your mind. It really is. People do it all the time and they would have done it to you and you would have done it to them. And maybe it's going to be disappointing for your, your partner, but, hey, we all have to deal with disappointments in life, don't we? Mm. Yeah. So I think lots of people, they go to open their relationship in some way and then they run into themselves and their insecurities and their discomforts. Like it, it can sound super sexy and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's pushing on some tender spots. Um, and so it's really okay for you to try something and realise it's not for you or to realise it's more difficult than you thought. So talk to your partner about that. Sometimes putting things on hold while you work it out or discuss the fears can help. Sometimes it's not possible to find a solution. Sometimes a chat with a sex therapist or your own therapist can help you work things out and what might be at play for you. But please don't try and give partners guarantees that something will come back online if it's not okay. No. Oh, my you gosh. Because a lot of people feel pressured, sort your shit out so that we can do this. And it's like, yeah, eh, my shit might be that this is not okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I that's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. What What do you reckon about ways that um, people can keep in mind or things that one can keep in mind to avoid infidelity occurring in their relationship? 
This is a good question, <laughs> really good question. Um, don't be complacent about your relationship. I think I think people know that relationships require work ongoing, but so does your intimate life. I think a lot of folks think you find your buddy and then you ride off into the sunset and fuck happily ever after. But it doesn't really work like that. You need to learn to prioritise sex and your intimate life and you need to make sure that it happens and that it's what you want it to be. Because over the course of a long-term relationship, sex does not always spontaneously happen. Only in limerence in the honeymoon period is desire always hot and heavy and it's easy to get to sex and adventure. Mm. Long-term relationships are far more complicated and sex needs to kind of weave its way around whatever's happening in the relationship. So if you keep working at things, I liken it to imagine you've got a beautiful garden. You've got to water the garden sometimes, yeah, and mm. you've got to weed. They're regular things. Maybe once a year you need to do some pruning and put some fertilizer down. What happens if you don't do that? The garden goes back to the earth, right? So think about that. You're going to be constantly doing little things and invest in your relationship to keep it primo for you. Yeah, and then say... It has, in fact, happened. It's some an infidelity has occurred in your relationship. Do you think there's a way that we can know how not only, I guess, like how people will respond to an infidelity happening, but whether or not they can heal from it in their relationship? Like, do you think there is a way to know when you should try and stick it out and repair it or when you should leave? That's a a really big question. Um, I know statistics show that in in about 30, 33% of the time, a third of the time, basically, it's going to blow up the relationship beyond repair. And a third of the time, people are going to limp on like they did before. And a third of the time, which is where I'm interested, is people recreate their relationship and often work on things that were not going so well or improve. So I like to call this relationship 2.0 mm. to my client. Do you know, maybe we can put some bugs and patches in and sort out what wasn't working so well so that you create relationship 2.0 or 3.0, whatever it may be, and it's better. Right? Mm. But, you know, that said, it takes time to build trust. It's, you know, I think a lot of people, they can understand their partner's straying because often people take it personally, what, what's wrong with me, was I not enough? But often it's got nothing to do with the partner. It's got everything to do with the person who's strayed and how they feel about themselves in their relationship and in, in the infidelity. You know, they become a different person. So rebuilding trust takes time. And I like to work with folks and help each of them understand how did you make sense of the infidelity, right? What was going on for you? So for the person who's strayed, it might be like, I felt like a decent human here. I felt really exotic and exciting and I don't feel like that at home when there's lots of kids running around and work to do. Um, Mm. And I want them to share that with each other because people don't often understand what that's like. And often the person who went outside of the relationship feels really terrible because they don't want, they feel bad because they've hurt their partner and they don't want to talk about it right, because they don't want to bring up something that's uncomfortable. But this kind of shuts their partner down and they don't get a chance to talk about their feelings and ask questions. What happened? How did this work? Because that's important. So I suggest that that partner becomes the one that does the checking in and invites their partner for a chat 
um, see if they want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable, but it shows your commitment to wanting to heal and it gives your partner a chance for their voice, right? Mm. I think really the breach of trust is bigger than whatever was done generally. Most people are like, I can't believe that that you were going and seeing somebody else twice a week. How did you even manage that? You know, and they yeah. feel quite upset that, that they feel a bit like, oh, my gosh, how dumb was I to not notice that? But, you know, things happen and... I think trying to sort of normalise it and be really kind about that leads us then to the deeper work rather than, you know, sitting in shock the whole time. It takes time. Yeah, totally. Um, I would love to hear your take on this though, Tanya. If you've cheated on someone, um, you said a little earlier that most people in that instance don't really want to bring it up because they can anticipate the pain and destruction that's about to happen. Um <laughs> But should you always tell your partner if you've cheated on them? Yeah, this is a really tricky question and I don't have a set answer for it. When people ask me this, I recommend that you ask yourself a question first. Why do I want to do it? Who is it for? Am I telling them for them or am I telling them for me? If it's for me, I would double think that. Mm. Because sometimes folks like to tell because they can't hold a secret and it's going to make them feel better to yeah. get it off the chest. But the impact on their partner could be catastrophic. It could be a break, breaking trust. It could blow up the relationship. Worst of all, it could result in feelings of low self-worth or not okayness. So not that I'm advocating keeping secrets from your partner, but think long and hard about it. You know, sometimes people have accidents. They do happen. If it was kind of like a one-off drunken encounter, I don't know. It sounds like I'm condoning all these things, and I'm not. I think it's very grey land, right? And I know you know your agreements. You know when you've strayed outside. You know if you are intending never to do that again. Because what we didn't cover is serial cheaters as well. Because yeah, so not great. You know when you discover that, it's absolutely devastating, and that's much harder to come back from. But a, a, a drunken sort of accident. That can be often sorted out and done. But, again, it depends. I think a lot of people have one or two of those skeletons in their closet and don't really pull them out. Ooh. Yeah. Um, another interesting question we have here from Amber is, upon reading an article online about it, she's curious to know whether fantasising about other people is okay. I love this question. I get asked it a lot. Fantasizing is not cheating. It's erotica for the mind, right? Often fantasies are something that we would never want to act on, but they turn us on. Nancy Friday has written a book. Uh, she did My Secret Garden and she's also got women on top. She got women all around the world to write their fantasies into her. And women on top, one third of that book has got rape fantasies in it, right? I have never, ever met a woman who would like to be raped unless it's consensual, non-consensual, and that's different, right? So people, the, the most amazing things turn people on. You might fantasize about doing the whole football team, but would never do that in mm. real life, okay? So no, it's not cheating. And the other thing is you do not have to tell your partner your fantasies. We have spheres in our life. There's public, what people know about us, like, hey, there goes um, Diane and Fred. Everybody knows they're dating, right? Then you have the private sphere. So Diane knows what gets Fred off and Fred knows what gets Diane off. 
private information. Hmm. But personal information is what's in your your bank bank or the fantasies you have, you know, that sort of thing, Hmm. right? Don't have to tell people about that at all. It's the same. You don't have to tell people the number of people you've had sex with. There are things that are just yours for you alone and that's going to be in the murky depths of your the back of your mind. Um, and that's A-okay because we all have these fears. Mm. So your partner also doesn't have to tell you their fantasies. So they can be a private thing. If, you, if it's consensual and you both get off on sharing them, knock yourselves out, have a great time. Yeah. Maybe we should do a spotlight on fantasies. On fantasies. Ooh, that could be a fun show. Yeah. Really want people to tell us their fantasies. That'll be a great one. Yeah. Or, I mean, hey, you listening, if you have anything you want us to cover on Let's Talk About Sex, uh, text line's always open, 0409-945-945. We've got one more Let's Talk About Sex program for the year. Yes. We gotta, we we've got to end the year with a bang, as always. <laughs> <laughs> we are. And I think we're going to start out next year with a really good in-depth interview on consent mm. with uh, Martin, which will be quite something. So also, if you've got consent questions, please send them in. 